Hello and welcome to another Mirror Football Podcast and we come to you on International Week and a week where England have qualified for the World Cup. But it wasn't particularly pretty. Uh, joining me, the host Aaron Flanagan here this week, once again is James Whalen and Alex Richards, two of our sports writers here uh, at Mirror Football. England, let's be honest guys, it was not good at all. They got the win, looked through, but God, it was ugly, wasn't it? It was uh, as boring a 90 minutes of football as certainly I've watched this season and I've watched for, I think, many a year. Um, it, it was it was just typical England, really. Um, typical, especially at Wembley, you know, the, the game just seemed to drag on. Um, Slovenia did a pretty good job of, um, of containing England and, and stopping them ca- carving out many clear goal-scoring opportunities. Um, but you know what? England did what England do. You know, invariably they get the job done. Um, and Harry Kane popped up at the end. Uh, great bowling from Kyle Walker. <clears throat> and Kane, Kane was Johnny on the spot to uh, to finish it. So yeah, you know, England have got the three points. A point would have actually been enough because of Scotland's win. But they've got the three points and they're heading to Russia. Um, you mentioned that obviously England they got the job done. If this was a Jose Mourinho team, kind of putting in a solid performance, scraping a one 0 win. Maybe England would be getting praise. What, what, why? Why do England not get praise for getting over the line? Unlike you know, maybe club teams do. They should get praise for going over going over the line. Um, but the performance itself just says to you again as a fan that next summer they're not going to achieve anything once more. Um, you mentioned Jose Mourinho there. I don't think for all the um, shade that he's thrown his way I've ever seen a Jose Mourinho team involved in a match that dull even when his sides are parking the bus it's usually because there's a very good reason for it um, it was pretty dismal stuff for the most part slow the football was meh um, <laughs> you'd got Raheem Sterling playing in a number 10 position which Sterling has shown before that he's capable of but Sterling has done quite well in that sort of position for City this season. But he's been playing from a wide role and coming in. Southgate had him starting in the middle and then kind of drifting out. And then you so you had Sterling filling the same space as Rashford when he drifted left. You'd have him and Oxlade Chamberlain filling the same space on the right when he went right. Oxlade Chamberlain wants to play in the centre, so he keeps making those runs into the middle. Um, basically, the passing lines weren't great at all. The ability to get the ball through midfield and into Harry Kane in positions where he could do something constructive didn't really happen um, I can't really remember many clear cut chances they created wasn't a good night apart from qualifying so are we saying that creativity is the problem for England they're playing flat football and we're not, as you say we're not creating chances is that it? precisely that is the problem I don't think they're sort of gung-ho enough against these Sort of lesser nations. I mean, why do we have to play two holding midfielders against Slovenia? You know, I understand that he, he's got a system and he wants to stick to it. And you know, we've got Germany and Brazil now coming up in friendlies in November, and you know they've, they've got a system. They'll play against them and, and they'll hope they can contain them and catch them on the break. I guess, but against against these smaller countries, you know, I, I personally don't see the need for a back four and two holding midfielders. And I've said that for years. It's not just under Gareth Southgate. It's been under a, a lot of managers. Um, yeah, it's difficult to criticise too much because they've qualified again and they always qualify. 
So, bueno, hopefully this summer will be different. I know you say two holding midfielders, but I didn't really think Henderson just sat sat and held last night. I thought he got for, I thought he got he got forward and tried to get ahead of the ball quite a lot. I felt. Um, but I get your point about the way it's lined up. Um, I thought last night when I saw the, the teams, I did wonder if he was going to play three at the back with Eric Dyer at the back and have Henderson and Oxlade Chamberlain as a midfield two and go with the wing backs. Yeah. Um, but that didn't happen, and it was only when he actually brought on Michael Keane and changed to that that the goal came because Carl Walker was playing 10, 15 yards further forward. They actually had a good spell as well, like in that sort of 10 minutes before the goal. The only good spell of the game where they created two or three chances, Marcus Rashford should have scored. When Again, I think that was because uh, Slovenia realised that they had to attack because they needed a goal to yeah. stay in the running. Um, I, I know what the answer to this question is going to be, but this England squad, bear in mind, they were without Deli Alley last night, who was undoubtedly one of the greatest They're talents. Without Adam Lallana as well, yeah. Yeah. which I think is a big loss yeah. because he goes and gets in those holes, gets on the ball, and has that ability to. He doesn't want to run directly past people because he's not he's not rapid like a Rashford or a Sterling, but he wants to go and get in those tight little areas and then play that pass that cuts a defence. So, add in Lallana, add in Ali. And I, as I say, I know what the answer is going to be, but can England win the World Cup? No, no. Why can't they? What 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 are they missing that's going to take that? I mean, if they had, would take them into that elite group of international teams? Again, they, they miss a player like Mesut Özil, who can play that pass. Lallana, you hope um, he brings that ability, but he doesn't do it on the the stage that Ozil has for Germany consistently um, you still have questions over Harry Kane whether he can score at major tournaments you have questions over that defence are they strong enough whether you play as a back three or a back four you've got questions over the goalkeeper still who is who is the number one because Hart's had a pretty torrid time at West Ham so far but he was Good last night. Magnificent save last night. Dying embers to keep it one nil. Yeah, Um, England. uh, We all like a flutter on this on this podcast. Uh, England are twenty to one uh, to win the World Cup. We actually looked at the odds, uh, me and James, before England played last night, and we thought England will romp to victory at Wembley. The nation will get excited. The odds will drop because a load of people have piled money on you know people getting patriotic. It was actually so far from that. In the end, because of such a dire performance, England remain at twenty to one. Uh, Germany, uh, you mentioned Mesut Özil and kind of the quality that Germany have got uh, are the favourites still at five to one. Uh, Brazil thirteen to two, and then followed by Spain, France, uh, and more. Who, who for you so far from from what you've seen from the internationals uh, is is the team that is going to impress at the World Cup next summer? I think Germany is still the number one. Um, you saw last night they went to a Northern Ireland team that were unbeaten at home in four years um, very much um, the German side was kind of second string you've got Sandro Wagner up front winning his fourth cap at 29 um, players like Sebastian Rudy in midfield they took charge of that game within the opening 20 minutes were 2-0 up ended up winning winning 3-1 terrific result Um sort of thing that you wouldn't expect England without six, seven, eight regulars to go and do. Absolutely. Uh, just briefly back to England's group. 
Scotland uh, were in there last night. They're up to second. They've got a real shot of actually making the World Cup now. Bear in mind they, they need to uh, beat Slovenia on Sunday in Slovenia as well. Um, from what we saw of Scotland last night, do we think that they're a team capable of getting to the World Cup? Is this the best Scotland team that we've seen in, in, in some years? Uh, well, the, on the first point, um, they're, I think they're capable of going to Slovenia and winning. <clears throat> I don't think they're any worse than Slovenia from what, what we saw from what we saw last night. Um, and also when England played in Ljubljana as well, um, Slovenia showed very little intention to get over the halfway line. Um they're probably going to have to be a bit more um, aggressive against Scotland, but you know Scotland have got some some good footballers, and um, it was it was a nervy one last night. He didn't know if the goal was going to come. It finally came with uh, one minute of normal time remaining, having played against ten men for the vast majority of the game. Um, in terms of whether it's the best Scotland side, um, maybe, but I, I don't think it's vastly different to the Scotland side we've seen for the last ten years. I think um, they finally just got something right. They've, they've got a little bit of momentum going in qualifying. I think the last they won their last two qualifiers in the previous international break to give themselves a chance, and, uh, and now they're taking it. I think Scotland team since that Euro '96, France '98, when they qualified for both of those tournaments, have basically been much of a muchness. Yeah. And I, I don't see this as being much different. I think if they do go to Slovenia and win, which I don't think will be as easy as James does. I don't think um, it's going to be easy, but it's, it's perfectly plausible. I, it is plausible. I, I also think it's per- perfectly plausible that Slovenia beat them. And yeah, then right. you've still got Slovakia, who will almost certainly win their last game. Um, I still think if Scotland do win that, then they're going to have a very difficult playoff game, which yeah. over two legs I wouldn't be certain about them coming through. Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm not entirely sure who are the, the second-place teams. But well, it's, it's, Italy will be one of them. Yeah. Portugal could well be another and if it's Port- not Portugal, Portugal it's Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. No, so uh tough indeed. Another couple of teams who are hoping to be in that playoff round, obviously we know things might change. Wales and uh, the Republic of Ireland. Um at the time of recording, uh, we're actually recording before um literally immediately before Wales and Re- Republic of Ireland are playing their Friday games, the first games of, of this international break. Uh, but we fully expect that on Monday we will have Wales against Republic of Ireland in pretty much a straight shootout to make second place and therefore fingers crossed uh, the playoffs Wales are without Gareth Bale do we fancy Republic of Ireland to maybe pip them to second spot even without Gareth Bale I would still think Wales are the better of the two sides um, I don't really think this Ireland team are blessed with too much creativity um, and I think Wales have got players and a system that generally they all know their jobs and they all get the best out of one another um, I don't really think Ireland have that I think they are much like Scotland hard working Pretty direct style, you know what you're going to get. Um, but I don't think they've got that that little spark that they need. Um, and going to Cardiff, um, I would think if it's a straight shootout between the two, and I think if Wales need the win, I would expect Wales will get that win, even without Bale. 
Yes, uh, as it stands uh, today, the odds on the team to finish second, Wales are uh, 15-8 on uh, to secure second place in Group D. Republic of Ireland, 11-5, uh, to 5, which, I'll be honest, does tempt me. It does tempt me, because I, I thought the two teams were really evenly matched when they, they played in Dublin, and obviously that was... Um, obviously, the situations have changed there, and without Bale coming back in, I, I, I don't know, I, I've, got, I've got a funny feeling uh, about Ireland, personally. Um, now, I'm going to take you guys uh, back to England uh, briefly. Um, I've got some odds here uh, of who's going to make the England World Cup squad uh, next summer. There's a few interesting names that I want to band about uh, to you guys. Because there's a few names that actually I, I look at and I go, that is tremendous value. Uh, Jack Wilshire, right now, 4-1 to one to make the England squad next summer. First of all, do we think Jack Wilshire will get there? And do England need him, especially with the lack of creativity? that was in the England team? I think it'd certainly be a help, but you need to be able to rely on his fitness. And that's the big question. There's no point in him being in that squad if he's going to get injured in training or in, in a warm-up game or in a warm-up to a match or in a match, and then you're without him. It's the same old argument with Wilshire, isn't it? I think if he's fit and at his best, then he gets in the squad. Um, if, he's, if, if he's playing regularly for Arsenal... February, March, April, May, I think he'll go. Yeah, but you're saying to me, do you expect him to be in the squad? I'm saying no, because what you're essentially asking me is, do you expect him to get through the rest of the season without breaking down? And from the evidence we've seen over the last three or four years, you'd have to say that's unlikely. Um, he's also not <coughs> he's not um, playing regularly for us in the Premier League yet. He's made a couple of appearances. Um, so yeah, he has to break in. He has to break into the side as well. Southgate's not going to take him if he's not playing every week. And another thing is, is he capable of giving you that thing of playing once every three, four, five yeah. days? Yeah. But, in, but in, in the same respect, do you take a Jack Wilshire who is maybe not at peak fitness over the likes of Jake Livermore, Fabian Delph, Danny Drinkwater, James Ward-Prowse? You know, surely Wilshire should rank ahead of that group of players or do you simply just prefer somebody you know is going to be depends on your manager doesn't it um, personally on talent he'd be above all of them yeah of course he would but it's about fitness it's that it's down to personal preference one manager might might say he'll gamble on the talent one manager might not um, you saw Germany before the last Euros Marco Royce fought hard to get back to fitness couldn't guarantee that he was going to be able to play regularly so Yogi Lowe didn't pick him um, it's the same argument. Uh, another Arsenal player who wasn't in the England team uh, this time round, who will be hopeful of going to Russia, is Theo Walcott. Uh, we've spoken about Walcott before. He's having a bit of a difficult time at the moment, but do we think he could get to the the Russia squad, or actually has his time with England now now passed? Uh, I wouldn't say his time with England's passed. He's still young enough. Um, I mean, he's been young for about fifteen yeah, no, years. He's, now, he's, he's, yeah, but he's, he's you know he's not he's not approaching the end of his career. Um, he again, fitness is, is, is always a worry with Walcott, uh, as is the thing where we're still not entirely sure what he is in terms of a winger or a striker. He's twenty eight now, so exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I if you're saying to me, do I expect him to be in the squad at this point? I'd have to say no. I think unless he gets a move in January to somewhere where he's going to play regularly, he won't be going. 
Uh, you can actually get uh, odds of 7-2 uh, with Skybet uh, on Field Walcott making uh, the squad. I'm just going to run a, one or two other names past you all uh, quickly. These are all names who are who are odds against. So, you know, you can get a little bit of value. What, are we going yes or no answers? Just yes or no answers. Um, if both of you say yes, then obviously it might be worth uh, putting putting a, putting a couple of quid on If we on the don't maybe. both say yes or don't both say no, duel to the death? <laughs> Whatever you fancy. Um, I'll start with goalkeepers. Uh, Fraser Forster. Let me throw in a few of the other options here. Um, Fraser Forster, Ben Foster, Tom Heaton, I know he's coming back from injury, even Nick Pope. Is in amongst there with, with the. Odds. I think given Heaton's injury at the start of the season, I would yeah. think that your three will be Hart, Butland, and Forster. Forster, yeah. okay. Six to four odds on Forster, which again seems reasonable uh, as it stands. On to defenders, Nathaniel Klein. If he's fit, yes. Yeah. Okay, thirteen to eight. Second, Not second, bad. second choice at right back behind Walker, I would think. Yeah. But interestingly enough, Trent Alexander-Arnold is three to one to make it. That suggests that there's maybe a bit of a belief that Alexander Arnold could keep Klein out of the Liverpool team. Well, Joe Gomez is currently there, the Liverpool first choice right back, England under twenty one captain that Southgate knows well. Um, I would think if if Klein isn't going, Gomez would be more likely, especially when he can play centre half as well. Yeah, ten to one on Gomez. Interesting. Um, Chris Smalling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Two to one. I, he's kind of fallen out of favour with Manchester United, Chris Smalling, hasn't he? Um, or when I say out of favour it seems that Phil Jones seems to be the well, preferred Jones one, Englishman uh, to, to play alongside uh, Eric Bailly I think it, it depends on the number of centre-halves you're going to take I think if they're, if they're fit all of them you'll have John Stones and Gary Cahill then Phil Jones as well and then you're looking at a fourth which would bring into it Smalling or Michael Keane yeah it's difficult isn't it I'd say yeah, yeah I think yeah, um, so some some of these. Uh, the only reason I read them out, they, they look like tremendous value to me on on some of them. Um, Danny Welbeck. No. No. Also no. No. I, now see that's an interesting one because I reckon if we asked this question six months ago, both of you or most people in the country would have said, "Yeah, Danny Welbeck will be in the England team." He's a big favourite of Roy Hodgson, and a lot of his better games in his career have come in an England shirt as opposed to club football just not really sure where he fits under Southgate is, is, is Welbeck not the sort of player who like, again going back to this whole creativity thing he's a player who when he's on it can get past someone can create things I mean you, maybe the end quality is, is we've got we've got there, a lot of players that can do that though the kind of player we're missing is your Christian Eriksen your Mesut Ozil who when the going's a little bit tight and tough and you're playing a packed defence, they're going to come get that ball in a dangerous position and have the quality to thread that little pass that opens up a team. That's the player we miss. OK, let me throw another name at you then. Uh, Ross Barkley. Now, bear in mind, Ross Barkley obviously hasn't quite got into the England team in the past. We know he's injured at the moment and we don't know where his club future lies. But could Ross Barkley have a... You know, if he comes back to Everton, you know, apologises to whoever, or if he gets his move in January... Could he be the man who provides that little bit of quality? He could be, but I think he would need one hell of a run between January and May for Barkley to be back in the fold. I think there's too much turmoil in Ross Barkley's career at the minute to, to even think about him being on the plane. He's flattered to deceive under a number of managers. 
I don't really see that changing to the extent that he is then a, a big pick. I think there are too many players ahead of him in, in the order. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Danny Welbeck, uh, 11 to 10. Ross Barkley, 7 to 4. To make the point, uh, quickly going to just go through some strikers. Uh, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, no doubt will be uh, on the plane. Do we fancy Daniel Sturridge to get there as well, or will his lack of game time at Liverpool, which I imagine will, will uh, be a case? Even on form at the minute, you know, he started for Liverpool at the weekend, it was dreadful. So, not for me. Jamie Carragher's been questioning whether he can get back to his best, and it's the same question I've got. He doesn't look the same striker no. he, he did in that season with Luis Suarez. He hasn't looked that striker for some time. You're never going to be able to guarantee his fitness. Hmm. I wouldn't think so. Uh, Jermaine Defoe, very quickly, yes or no? No. No. No, no. Andy Carroll? No. No. Dominic Calvert-Lewin? No. No. Okay. Jamie, Jamie Vardy? Yes. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, either way, it's probably not looking good for the overall depth of uh, the talent pool, if you like, uh, for English football. Uh, moving away from England, moving away from Europe uh, now, uh, there is an interesting story developing around the World Cup and the qualification and that surrounds Argentina. They drew 0-0 with Peru uh, on Thursday night, which puts them in a pretty precarious position. Uh, They have one game left to save themselves and qualify for Russia. Uh, Alex, you stayed up and watched uh, Argentina-Peru last night. Unfortunately. Yeah, so sorry that you had to to sit through that. Um, But can you just sum up for us what is going wrong with Argentina? Why are they in this turmoil? Well, they can't score goals, quite plainly. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to stop you already. They've got Lionel Messi. They've got Paulo Dybala. They've got Gonzalo Higuain. They've got the likes of Angel Di Maria. Well, why are they not scoring goals? Well, Gonzalo Higuain can't get in the squad under George Sampaoli. He doesn't fancy him, doesn't like him, doesn't pick him. Um, Sampaoli came back and after we also a severe team last season who were really exciting, really good to watch. Um, He came back and that was kind of what he was meant to bring. He was meant to bring the best out of their attacking players. He was meant to take Barcelona, Barcelona, take Argentina to a time where their best players, i.e. Lionel Messi, would be able to thrive. Um, Instead, it's been the complete opposite. Um, They are without a goal from open play since his predecessor was in charge in competitive games Um, the only goals under Sampaoli in the qualifiers have been an own goal and a Messi penalty Um, he completely threw out his plans last night since he's returned he's gone to a three at the back four in midfield the Chelsea style but his two behind Mauro Icardi have been Messi and Paolo Dybala which on paper They've got 26 goals between them already for the clubs this season. On paper, sounds brilliant. Problem is, they are too similar. They both want to play in the same positions. They both naturally move to the same positions. And at the end of the day, there's only going to be one winner when you have to choose between the two. And Dybala knows that. He even said the other day he was fully aware of the problems that integrating him in that side had caused. So, Sampaoli then decided, OK, Dybala's going to be out. But he made more changes. He he completely got rid of his system, went to a back four, two holding midfielders, Messi with Di Maria on the right and um, Papu Gomez and Atalanta on the left, who destroyed Everton in the Europa League. He was brilliant that day. 
Yeah, and he bought um, Benedetto, the Boca Juniors striker in up front, who is 27 and has never played in Europe, which pretty much tells you all that you need to know about him. If an Argentine player hasn't moved to Europe and gone back, then you've got a question whether the talent's there if he's there at 27. Um, and that was a team. The attack that he went with, Messi tried his best. They were over-reliant on him. He created... He created two good chances for Benedetto, created one for Gomez, they didn't go in. Messi hit the post himself when perhaps if he was playing for Barcelona he would have scored. But the football they played was, it was clear there was no real plan there. Messi's in a central area designed to be the number 10 and get involved. He had to drop deeper and deeper and deeper to get the ball at times in line with his defensive midfielders. And he's there pointing at them where to move and whatnot. Di Maria's Started on the right, he kept wandering in on his left foot, so he's crowding Messi's area. Gomez started on the left, he's wandering in on his right foot and crowding that central area. It all got narrow, it was all easy for Peru to defend. Their keeper had a good game, he had to make a couple of saves in the second half. Um, but it's now over 450 minutes since Barcelona, since Barcelona, since Argentina, twice I've done that now. Since Argentina scored a competitive goal, they've had 73 shots, I think it is, in their last lot of qualifiers since scoring um, it's pretty dismal stuff and there was a we're not meant to swear on this podcast but there was a really good um, Olay I think it was their headline was just we're the F word basically <laughs> and and that's how they described it this morning it's a big trip uh, to Ecuador uh, for Argentina, uh, where they will decide, well, where they will find out whether they, they can get in. Um, I think they can still get in with a draw. Is, is that right? They can still squeak in with a draw. They'd need results um, yeah. elsewhere to really, really go for them. Interestingly, uh, two of the teams above them face each other. It's really, really close points wise. Even Uruguay, who are second um, in that qualification group, have not guaranteed the place. But Colombia go to Peru where the winner goes through and the loser will likely miss out altogether and even miss the the playoff spot uh, Colombia they were one of the bright sparks of the last World Cup obviously James Rodriguez it was his kind of breakthrough time uh, do we think they're uh, first of all do we do we think we're, they're going to get there will they be a force also at the World Cup if, if they do well they were almost there and then David Espina happened Um they took the lead in the 79th minute against Paraguay, um, Falcao scoring. And 10 minutes later, their fans were jubilant, delighted. They looked well and truly on course. Then mm. been a one error in the 89th minute, a second error in the 92nd, and they were beaten by Paraguay, getting Paraguay back in contention. And they host Venezuela, Paraguay. So you would expect them to win against a side who can't make it. Whereas Colombia go to Peru for a, a good test against Peru, um, it's going to be really difficult for them. Yeah. It's uh, certainly is exciting in the, the South American qualifiers. I, I mean, it, it's hard. You'd expect Uruguay uh, are going to make it. Uruguay is second. They drew nil nil with Venezuela, who you just mentioned uh, last night. Um, the other game last night, Brazil and Bolivia, they also drew nil nil, but that didn't change anything. Brazil are. Uh, into the finals with Brazil um, are they back to their best they went through a little shaky spell obviously on the back of the 7-1 hammering at the World Cup semi-final last time 
are Brazil back to their best? Are, are they real contenders to be world champions once again? Do we think? Yeah, they'll they'll be there next summer, there or thereabouts. Um, Tite in charge has created a system of playing that gets the best out of the likes of Neymar, Gabriel Jesus. Um, didn't really happen for them in Bolivia, but you know they're already through. And again, they had chances to win that game. They look a far superior side to the one that Dunga has presided over after the Scolari battering at the World Cup. Um, they'll be contenders. Good stuff. Um, OK, we're going to move on from the World Cup now and we're going to uh, head back domestically. Um, mainly, I, I want to have a quick chat about the first Premier League game that we have when we get back from this international break. Uh, obviously, we all can't wait for club football to be back. Um, Manchester United uh, travel to Liverpool in what should be an absolute humdinger of, of a Premier League tie. Will in in a game so so intense as that fixture always is, especially at Anfield, will United be found out finally, or do we still believe that you know Marino's team are far superior to Jurgen Klopp's? Um, <clears throat> I think what United have shown so far this season is that <clears throat> they're a lot stronger, both physically and mentally, than the Manchester United sides we've seen over the last couple of years. Um, I think they'll be very confident heading to Liverpool a Liverpool side that's not in great form um, and, and and going there and getting a result and, and not just a draw going there and actually turning Liverpool over I think um, it's been quite a happy hunting ground for United over the last few years even though um, in terms of the, the big picture of the Premier League table itself they haven't been challenging for titles I think they went there under Louis, Louis van Gaal and won twice Um so yeah I think they'll be pretty confident they've got a man banging form in front of goal the thing they've got to watch out for is that front line of Liverpool um, but it hasn't been firing on all cylinders in the last few games so uh, yeah I think United will be pretty confident going there I think it's particularly interesting how Jose Mourinho will approach it does he allow his side to attack and maybe be that little bit more open or does he have his side as we've seen him do countless times stay tight stay two banks of four and we'll see what we can get on the break Do United have a bit of an advantage coming into this on the back of the likes of Anthony Martial wasn't called up for France Juan Mata and Herrera weren't called up uh, for Spain and I'm sure there's a couple of others that you know, have been left out obviously Ashley Young's not on international duty Luke Shaw if he wants to come back in he's not involved with England um, is that an advantage for United going into this fixture that a lot of their I mean, what your class senior stars have remained at Carrington? Possibly, because they'll be fresh. But I think I think the bigger advantage, obviously, is the fact that they're winning games and playing well. Whereas Liverpool are struggling at the moment for form. Yeah. That's fair enough. Uh, Liverpool, do, do we expect Liverpool to make the top four uh, this season? Obviously, two big teams are going to have to drop out. At the moment, you'd expect it's going to be City, United, Chelsea, Tottenham in the top four. A Liverpool going to be strong enough to to get in there? If I'm naming my top four right now, then no, I'm not having him in there. I'm having Spurs in there with with the other three. Um you know obviously Spurs need to crack Wembley but I'm sure they will eventually. 
Alex is looking quite flustered by that question. <laughs> quite, I, quite an inquisitive <laughs> look. Almost as if he's like, yes, but oh, no, but a bit you almost couldn't Vicky Pollard. But at the start of the season, I thought that yes, they would. Because I didn't expect Spurs to handle the move to Wembley particularly well and thought that they would drop out. But the thing is with Spurs, they've won every away game. Exactly, they're away. Form <laughs> superb, and that home form's not going to continue yeah, all season. Exactly, Eventually, yeah. will, they will get it right. So I'm in agreement with James here that I don't think Liverpool will. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, the, the bookmakers um, agree they they think Liverpool, as it stands, are not going to make it. You can get uh, six to five. I mean, it's only just above evens on them to make the top four. Uh, Arsenal are also a similar price at five to four. Arsenal is a bit of a tempting one for me because they've had a turnaround in form. Let's be honest, since their the opening two, three weeks of the season where that's Arsenal Arsenal were dreadful. Arsenal look really vulnerable. They've turned it round, they've had a few favourable fixtures. They still look vulnerable. They look and vulnerable they, against West Brom. Yeah, they haven't impressed, have they? They've they won the last two games against West Brom and Brighton. They uh, drew, drew away at Chelsea, yeah, which was the probably result, their yeah. best performance. But yeah, they haven't even though they've won those games at home, the games that they absolutely had to win and they didn't impress me particularly, they're not they're not in my top four. Okay, interesting. Nor me. For me, they're sixth out of that six. Yeah. Very interesting. So we'll talk more about Arsenal on next week pod, next week's podcast, if I can get my words out, uh, ahead of their trip to Watford. Uh, we're going to have a little look now at the Premier League sack race. Ronald Koeman is widely expected to be the next manager. He's romping it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he, he's expecting to be the, the next manager out the door. Uh, can anyone expect anything different? There's a, there's a, there's a few names uh, <clears throat> sort of in the mix behind him. I think it's uh, Slavin Bilic. Um, West Ham had a, have had a poor start. And, you know, again, they got a really lucky 1-0 win last time out at home. Late goal. Um, yeah, so I think I think he's under pressure. And the other one, sort of a wild card, I'd probably look at is is um, Maurizio Pellegrino at Southampton. Again, they've had a they've had a poor start, and I think they expected more from him. Taking those words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't like Southampton particularly this season. I think they're very dull. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, Pellegrino. If, we, if, we, if we're looking at odds, Coman is uh, three to one on. Uh, to be the, the next manager sacked uh, I'll be honest I, I can't see anything other than that being the case however you then have Slaven Bilic 9-2 uh, Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace still without a goal 7-1 uh, um, Hodgson still without a goal and going to Chelsea or oh, sorry at home to Chelsea uh, coming next so not good for him I don't think Hodgson will go uh, I don't think Palace will be getting rid of him even if they don't score in the next 2-3-4 games I think he's there for the season and to turn it round eventually. Okay, I mean, I mean, it, it's quite. If, it's if quite he can turn it round, yeah. No, he, he, at the moment they they look a bit of a lost cause. Uh, then you've got Pellegrino at Southampton at ten to one. Uh, just quickly back to Everton. Ronald Koeman wants to be Barcelona manager. He's openly said it in the past. I wouldn't it, mind the job. Yeah, I I quite like it. Yeah, let's be honest. Probably it, pays like, well. I reckon I could get top four. <laughs> in Spain, Monica. yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I'm back in. <laughs> Ronald Koeman, if this is his audition at Everton to be Barcelona manager, just where has he gone wrong? 
he's gone wrong by not replacing Romelu Lukaku is the answer to that I think uh, they're messing about up front with bringing Umar Nias back in from the cold um, you know as much as we all love him in our office let's face it he ain't going to fire to Europe um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's had an impressive start to the season but again he's a young lad he's raw um, when when you're comparing these players to Romelu Lukaku who scored the volume of goals he has over the last couple of years and then has gone on to Manchester United now and took it to another level you know they're just they're not they're not fit to lace his boots frankly they've spent a hell of a lot of money and they've brought in some good players really like Gilf Sigurdsson but again he's not exactly hit the ground running at Everton um, and yeah. he's too similar to Wayne Rooney yeah you can't, absolutely, have, you yeah. can't really have those two in the same team together yeah. so I think that's where the problem is that they're not scoring goals and there's no pace in that team they are the slowest team around yeah. paint runs quicker yeah um, one thing I've noticed with Everton is I said the pace midfield it's really flat in the, in the middle flat. Of it's an ageing team as well likes of Williams Jagielka Baines is the wrong side of 30 now um, Rooney Sigurdsson's not quick even at 28 um, it's a slow team it's an ageing team for all the money they've spent to major disappointment so is Ronald Koeman though maybe still the man for a job if it's a squad problem and not him but he, or, he's, or, the, or, he's or, the manager he's the manager sorting out how they play getting the style that he wants out on that pitch yeah. It's a, a lot of it's a style problem uh, so uh, when we come back to Premier League action, Everton on the Sunday will go to Brighton. Uh, failure to win there. I mean, if he was going to be sacked during this international break, we, we're pretty sure he would have already gone by now. Failure to win at Brighton, is that Kirsten's? It would, if they play well and get a draw, then maybe not. But If they show some fight and lose 1-0. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably not. But if they go down 3-0 and look like they did in Atalanta yeah. then I don't really see any Kearns. other any other it's way. difficult to see a way out for him I think as we sit now I think eventually eventually he gets sacked yeah at some point this season unless there is uh, an upturn that none of us can foresee they've got a very um, ambitious owner there who's got a lot of money and he'll be quite impatient I should think yeah absolutely and uh, we will be previewing uh, the Premier League in full on next week's podcast. Uh, that will be all uh, for this podcast. Uh, what? No, no talk of non-league. Non-league day. It, it, it is. It is non-league day. But um, you know, so you love please, non-league. I, I do love non-league. So please, everybody, go out and support your local team. What game are you going this to? Weekend. Uh, I've been rotated into the office, um, so ah. I'm. I'm. That's Maybe. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder yeah. you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. please do go and support your local team. Go and give it a try if you never have done before. Uh, there's some cracking little football clubs out there that need your support. I'll be going to Starbridge, just to let you know. Starbridge, Derby Day, playing Halezone. Like, that, that's genuinely one of the biggest games. Uh, How excited he is now. Around, see, I'd, <laughs> see uh, I'd love to be able to go to that fixture. Uh, I really would. But anyway, uh, forget about that. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with a full preview uh, for the Premier League action uh, coming back. So until then, if you can, enjoy the rest of the international break and uh, tune in next week. <laughs>